Welcome back to the Almost There podcast. Today we have a very special guest with us. His name is John. Hello, everyone. What's <laughs> Hi, up? John. Speaking from the audience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know John from LA. Classic. We have like a fun, flirty, gay LA, like fashion, architecture, design, everything and more person that you could want. He has all the juicy tea about the inside scoop in LA, like the high end design community. And I thought, what a better way to give you guys, you know, a little listen in than John. <laughs> oh, I'm here. I'm here to talk. Yes. <laughs> here to spill the tea. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> well, I want everyone to kind of get a feel for who you are, how we know each other. So if you want to just give me a little background on yourself and then you know obviously we can also give the tea how we know each other <laughs> sure sure um well like gabby said my name's jonathan warner otherwise known by john johnny all the above johnny what boy. you want to say <laughs> yeah johnny boy yeah but i um i live in la right now and i'm originally from north carolina yeehaw north carolina um shout out to charlotte you know you know the um 704 if you're from there but um you know basically studied architecture for about six years oh my god it's such a long time but it's <laughs> fine um six years i will never get back but you know <laughs> um and then i actually met gabby after i graduated from my graduate program at SciArc. um and it was a very tough time. Um, it was 2020. And if you know, the big P happened then, mm. the big pandemic. And it was impossible to get a job. So luckily, I crossed paths with Gabby. And we worked together at a modular housing company. Uh, it was, a, I mean, we also did like regular architecture. But when we worked there, it was mostly um, modular housing. Mm. And... Uh, yeah, so then I kind of transitioned into another job, which we can get into. I actually worked for Yeezy for a little while, and then, um, couldn't take that any longer. So I wonder why. Yeah, couldn't take that any longer. So then I kind of, you know, shifted into a more spatial experience design, like kind of working for an agency. And I actually worked at another job. And then I worked now at the company that I have been with for the past six to seven months. Absolutely love it. Um, and, you know, I have, love LA. And, you know, that's a little bit about me. And, you know, me and Gabby have gone through very interesting experiences. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure we will talk about that a little bit more. But, um, but yeah, that's a little bit about me. Thank you. Love it. I know when I tell people, I try to explain working at Kingdom because I'm like, Mm -hmm. well, I worked for an architecture firm, but I was an interior designer there. But we were partnered with like a shipping container home company. And at the time, we didn't have a lot of clients, but we were like prototyping all of these units. And then, you know, just like explaining like the iterations. And then like we had like a warehouse on site where things were being like manufactured and like, you know, tried on the spot and like the trial and error phase of it all. Like we were like, like in the trenches, like with that company there, like working through all that stuff. And I'm just curious, like what your like takeaway from that was because you left before me for like various reasons, which we don't really have to get into all of that tea. Um, yeah. 
But like, what was your experience like working there? Like, what did you do there? As a professional and like somebody who cares a lot about final product and like, you know, making sure design is great. I actually really enjoyed working there. I think that, um, you know, everybody there has, first of all, there's a great work culture. I mean, everybody loves each other, I think there. And, you know, we all had such a good time together. I never really dreaded going into work, to be honest with you. I mean, there were some days, you know, everybody has those moments, you know? So, um, Overall, I thought it was a great experience. And one thing I actually really appreciated about the company is like something that you mentioned is that um, basically you're working with the people that are building the thing mm-hmm. one-to-one. So that is actually very rare in an architecture firm. Basically, architects are kind of these overseeing people that basically will send the send the drawings to the contractors and then just kind of forget about it. Right. And that was kind of a luxury. I think that we had is that we were able to kind of talk to the fabricators and make sure things were getting done correctly and making sure that things were, you know, adaptable, like maybe wanted to change something, you know, as much as, you know, those poor guys in the warehouse change things so often, you know, and you know, guys, like if you don't come from an architecture background, like, working with metal is extremely difficult and it's expensive. And these, we would have these people like, you know, unweld things, rip things apart, you know, like these poor guys, we put them through hell. But um, in the end, I think it made amazing, amazing stuff. And unfortunately I wasn't there long enough to be able to see it all the way through. But I mean, seeing after now leaving and actually seeing the stuff that's been going out recently, it's looked really awesome. And I, you know, I think that in the end it was totally worth it. And, um, in the end we, me and Gabby worked for a startup. Okay. So like, that's a very typical situation for us to be in. It was chaotic. There was so much work and we couldn't keep up with it. We we just couldn't, we couldn't, (laughs) there was just no way that me at the time, a 24 year old and, and a, me a 21 year old, a 21 year old with little to no experience in the building industry, were actually able to get this stuff done on time. Yeah. And I think that was kind of, I think that as a company, we knew that, but we were not telling our clients that, you yeah. know what I mean? And of course you're not going to tell your clients that, but I mean, it gets done, it gets done. And I think that, you know, you just have to haul ass to, to, to finish it. And, um, I think that, you know, sometimes, you know, we had a little bit late nights, stuff like that, but I don't, I think it was pretty, pretty normal and pretty within range and bearable. And overall, I really enjoyed working there and working with you. And I, um, I think, you know, it was also really cool to like get involved with interiors and things as well, which is not something I really did before. And, Mm. um, you know, something that you and, you know, of course, like Joe and everybody else that worked there were so good at. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if like, do you, do you feel that like, do you have the same experience or do you, do you see it a little bit differently? I have similar and different experiences. I mean, I think like one, I was there longer than you were, um, not much longer, but, like, mm-hmm. longer to the point of, like, where I started to see initial construction happen. Um, mm-hmm. 
and like now like you were saying like following along on social media and then like still talking with like Joe and Carla and Makai on a regular basis like I talk to them like weekly it feels like and I like still am seeing all those photos and I'm like oh my gosh like I was about to say the name of some of the projects like the projects that I <laughs> by accident yeah. um the projects that are like being produced like look so awesome and it's like wow, like, you and I, the amount of hours that we, like, slave labored over, like, you know, like, the late nights, like, with the sushi, you're, like, I have such a fond memory of, like, me and Joe sitting in our conference room until, like, 12.30, like, four nights in a row to, like, crank out, like, the final, like, interior packages for, like, the four models that we were doing, like, it was, you know, it was really good and it was like hard work and I feel like I learned so much. Like, I think for me, the most valuable thing I took away was just like understanding the construction process. I think like mm -hmm. how you were able, like you were saying like, I'm an architect, but I've never like, sorry, architectural designer, you don't have the label of an architect yet. But Yeah, yeah. Guys, I'm not an architect. <laughs> we'll never claim to be. Yes, yeah, sorry. I was too. doing architecture. Let's yeah. just say that. <laughs> doing architecture and you got to dabble in design and I was doing design and I got to dabble in construction just because of like the realities of working with the architecture team, working with the engineers and then like the other, like we had business people on the site all the time and then we were working with like our GC and like the subcontractors and just like it almost was more like I was in a project manager role while I was there and just kind of like had a hand in like every little piece and so I feel like that equipped me so much now because now I'm actually project managing um like quite large scale projects and like I have experience you know where I'm able to answer a question about like a plumbing rough or like a light fixture that is like super random obscure knowledge that most designers like don't have like even like speaking with some of the more senior designers like I'll bring something up and they're like I didn't even know that was a thing and I'm like oh I like I just know that because I was on the ground like working with our contractors and so like mm -hmm. I think that was super cool I think the like harder part for me was like we weren't necessarily employed by Steelblocks we were employed by Kingdom but a lot of like our work was for steel blocks and as much fun as that was like I wasn't getting as much of the like hands-on interior does like the high-end residential design that I was hoping to get like at Kingdom and I kind of got that like towards the end with a couple of projects we had um but that's something that I wish I got more of and like had a little bit more guidance just because it was such a small firm. It was me and Joe and we were like learning together and I learned so much from her and from like our other boss, but there was still like a lot of stuff that I was like, okay, yeah, I feel like I need to work with a designer who's been working in the industry for 20 years to like really start to, to feel like I'm getting like the full mm -hmm. mentorship and like someone who, you know, has the patience and has the time to like sit down and like work with me. Cause the reality is, is like, you said now I'm 22. That's very young to be working, period, in yeah. a career job. Yeah, even I'm young too. I mean, I'm 26. I'm the youngest one in my company, basically. Yeah. I think there's one person maybe younger than me, but not by much. So, I mean, it's it's crazy. And that was like, that was, I feel like, the one like exciting thing. And also like the downfall of the place that we worked before was like, all of us were like young and fresh and bright, either just out of school or like recently starting in the field. And they like ad basically adopted us into this family because they're like, you guys are all passionate. We love like seeing what you want to do. Like you have these dreams and these visions. But the reality was a lot of us didn't have the experience. 
And same thing with like the contractors we were working with. Like they had never built shipping container homes or like shipping container commercial spaces. So there was just like that whole trial and error, which was like yeah. great. But now that I work with people, you know, like one of the people who I work like directly with, like he's been an architectural designer for Nike for like years and working like one of the senior des- designers there. And it's like, you know, I can ask him questions or like he can ask me questions that I wouldn't even know exist. And like, we can just like trial and error, like through stuff together. And I just feel like I've learned so much now from people who have more experience than me, but like just the culture that we had at that company, I feel like was like irreplaceable, you know, like we were all like besties, like, like we knew everything about each other yeah we did maybe a little too much i was gonna (laughs) say that that's like making me think of like that one night one night our boss took us all out to this little like hole in the wall bar like down the street from our office Mm -hmm. and just too many drinks happened Mm -hmm. something's happened you know everyone was just like crazy And we all came into work the next day, hungover AF, just, like, ordered breakfast in. We didn't even start work, I feel like, until, like, noon. But we all just sat at the table and, like, everyone was, like, telling these insane stories. And I was like, what is happening? Like, we're literally at work right now. And it was just, like, crazy And, yeah, that was was really funny. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) I remember just laughing for, like, literally an hour straight. No, literally. I was dying at Carla. That's really when we got to know Carla, I yeah, feel like. Carla. Like, that oh, morning. I Carla. Yeah. I know. I know. Oh. And, and Davina's energy, too. Like, Davina was, like, this fiery redhead, like, didn't take anybody's shit. Was, like, only worked at the company with us for maybe two months. But then was, like, still somehow around for, like, the rest of the time after. Just, like, everyone, like, loved her. Yeah, I mean, she works at the bar down the street for me. Yeah. So I see her pretty often, actually, <laughs> still. Yeah. Just as crazy as always, that girl. Yeah. But love her. I love her. I'm so excited because I'm coming back to LA, as you know, in October. Mm-hmm. Only in, like, what is that? Like, three or four weeks from now. Yeah. Which is going to oh be God, so October fun. Already? What the hell? I know. Oh. It's crazy. Oh, crazy. But anyways, enough about the past um, of Kingdom and Steelblocks. Let's get into your current, like, vibes. Um, Mm -hmm. How is your love life going? Oh, okay. So I have have a boyfriend, actually. He's super amazing. His name is Zemo. At Zemo Visuals. Look him up. (laughs) Perfect. Uh, He's an amazing photographer. Um, And, yeah, I love him to death, actually. (laughs) Actually. But, yeah, of course I love him. But um, we've been dating for almost five months now, but we've known each other since February. So it's been it's been a good amount of time. But um, but yeah, he's he keeps me sane. He's, you know, um, perfect for me. He's perfect for me. But um, don't want to get too mushy into that because like, oh, love him to death. But uh, he's so cute. Um, anyway, uh but uh what else what else about my love life it took me a long time to get there i will say that it took me a long time to kind of so i am a relationship person Mm. i'm not gonna lie i 
appreciate someone who's there for you unconditionally. In general, I think in the end, I'm a pretty lonely person. The thing is, is that I have friends, but I think that I feel lonely often purely because I crave kind of somebody to love me unconditionally, someone who I can, you know, have sex with, someone who I can have dinner with just on a whim and not really have to like make this crazy commitment to. And, Mm. you know, you know, Zemo has been that person for me for a long time and um, wouldn't want it any other way. And I think that, you know, before I met him, I was in kind of a chaotic, crazy hoe phase. That's what I knew you. (laughs) Yeah. I was kind of exploring my sexuality in a way. And if you're gay in LA, it's, a fucking meat market okay people like it is absolutely insane you might as well go to a fucking supermarket it's crazy you know there's cross-contamination there's you know meat being packaged together that shouldn't be packaged together let's just <laughs> you know there's there's all kinds of things that go on and you know i, I think all of it's a learning experience you know had an STD scare too. I'm sure you remember. Oh yes. Uh, yeah, and you know, scared shitless. You know, <laughs> and you know, I I would just encourage everybody to be safe and to you know have boundaries for yourself. But um, you know, I I I think for me it was kind of a necessary moment in my life because. It it kind of led me to realize what I like, what I don't like, and you know, it was something that I hadn't done in a while, <laughs> like having my hoe phase, I guess. I guess it was my reawakening. Because <laughs> um, when I was 18, about, I had kind of had the same thing. I mean, when you're 18 and you're in college, I mean, my God, who isn't a hoe? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I shouldn't say that, but um, I sure as hell was. And, you know, I had my learning phase there. I had a, you know, pretty serious relationship for about three years, actually, Um and, you know, that didn't work out. It ended up becoming long distance. And, you know, that's, guys, long distance doesn't work. It you know, worked like, for it, me. It, you know, that's actually, it, it works for, for Gabby. It, it does work for Gabby. It works for Gabby. So I shouldn't speak for everybody, but it sh- does not work for me. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, I mean, you're kind of long distance, but reachable. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's This was long distance, but unreachable. Yeah. So different time zones, different goals, different realities. It was just not working for me. So that didn't, that didn't, that ended, that ended. And then, you know, I had two more things and then I had another thing. And then that guy actually ended up getting engaged three months after we broke up. That was tea. <laughs> very interesting. That's, yeah, that's fucking tea. Um, I just remember my friend at the time who I'm no longer friends with. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> my job. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he actually called me literally on New Year's Day. and was like, look at your phone right now. Right now. Look at it. And I just see him getting engaged. And it was just so crazy. It's just crazy to me how people literally, like, change that quickly. Three months after you guys broke up. But also the note was like, he just dropped off the face of the earth while you were dating still. Yes. Yeah. He, um, 
didn't talk to me for two weeks. While we were actively dating, he went to a music festival. And the thing is, it's like, I don't, ex- like, I'm not a texter. Okay, guys, I'm not a tech. I don't need to constantly know where you are every second of every day. Because honestly, I really don't care. Like, <laughs> and <laughs> I mean, that's, that's just the reality. <laughs> I just don't care. Um, and, you know, I do care about sexual. This guy did not care. <laughs> and, um, and, but he did not talk to me for two weeks. And I don't know what kind of delusion he had, but he thought he was talking to me. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking? Like, there are receipts, like yeah. people, you know, like there's, there's literally a time of two weeks where I literally don't hear from you. And at that point, the thing is, is like, I can take like two or three days and be like, okay, whatever. Like, he's just having a moment. Guys, two weeks, like anybody in my life that would not respond to me within two weeks, I would start to freak out. I was freaking out. Like, you know, I cared about this guy at the time, (laughs) Mm. but he didn't talk to me for two weeks and I had to, you know, I, I was that crazy one texting his friends you know, making sure he was all right. Nothing. Heard nothing. But see, and then that's not a... crazy because two weeks is a long time. Like, if I don't hear, like, if I know my boyfriend is, like, salty at me and he doesn't talk to me for, like, a few hours, I'm like, okay, I'm annoyed. But, like, I know that he will again or, like, he'll text me. He's very good about telling me, like, hey, I just need some space right now and I'll text you when I feel better because we've, like, Communication. learned. Yes. What a blessing. Yeah. What a blessing. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, there was no communication, okay? Yeah. And so I get this book of a fucking text one day and he was like, I just can't handle it. And I'm just like, okay, fine. I was like, I was done a week ago. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> a weekend, I was like, okay, I'm done with this. Like, I'm not wasting my time anymore. But, and then, I'm not going to get into the full story, but all I'm going to say, hot take, really fast. He called me the day he got engaged and told me that he still loved me. I never loved him. <laughs> <laughs> that was the real miscommunication. And... That's all I'm going to say about it. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. So. <laughs> oh my gosh. I feel So like... my relationships have a very rocky road. I will say I am in the most, I've been the most happy and the most stable I've ever been in a relationship right now. And yeah, just love my boyfriend to death at Zemo Visuals. <laughs> <laughs> plug, plug, plug. Gotta get the plug, gotta get the plug. But um, yeah, he's, he's really, really great does so much for me and I know that I would do equally as much for him so yeah Yeah. how did you guys meet like I don't know anything about him like and I'm just curious like because you kind of said like obviously you went through your whole phase I think just one dating in LA like anyone is like good people are hard to find in LA which is Loki, I didn't really date when I was there. I was like, none of these people, like, I don't know, were, like, appealing to me. And maybe I was just, like, not finding the right ones. But I'm just curious, like, how you kind of narrowed into where you're like, I'm ready to be in a relationship. Like, I know this is the person that I want to be in a relationship with. And, like, how has he, like, proven to you, like, over time, like, okay, he's going to, like, continually choose me every day. 
I don't know if it's necessarily about good or bad people in LA. There's good and bad people everywhere. I yeah. think it's about being genuine. Mm. I think because I think that people are not genuine. I wouldn't necessarily say they're bad people. Yeah. For per se, but I think that it's hard to find people that are really themselves yeah. in Los Angeles. Maybe when they're younger, I would say, you know, older people that I've met here stop caring, um, which is good. Um, but yeah, anyway, but we met on Hinge, actually. The story goes, um, we met on Hinge and then I actually wanted to just hook up with him because this was my hoe phase. <laughs> and so, you know, I was being very sexual and flirty and, you know, he was doing the same thing back and it got down to the day that we were going to meet up and I actually didn't go. So <laughs> I kind of blew, I blew him off, uh, but didn't blow him off in the right way. And, <laughs> and so a couple months go by and, you know, I follow him on Instagram and everything. And one day he posted a video of himself doing the most dorky dance I've ever seen. Like the most adorable, dorky, horrible dancing possible. <laughs> and guys, I have a dance background. I was a dancer for like 20 years. So this is like a turn on for me. Okay? <laughs> and I said, I never took you on. I never took you for that drink, did I? And Little did I know, he's actually sober, but uh, I took him, I, he was like, no, we didn't. And remember, you blew me off because we never actually went on that date or hooked up or anything. And I was like, okay, he checked me. But I'm like, okay, now I want to go on a date with you. So we went on a date and kind of the rest is history, to be honest. Like, I guess what made our relationship so easy is that we were just so comfortable around each other. And then Mm. it got to the point where we were like, wait, should we just date? You know, like, should we just do this? You know, yeah. like, and, you know, we had, we had our own, like, fair share of, you know, tension and struggles at the beginning of things. You know, like, I was a very sexual person and very open about it. And that kind of made him uncomfortable. But I think in the end, like, after, you know, we have really, really, really good communication, really, really good communication. I've never had this good of communication with anybody and, you know, after a lot of communication, expressing our wants, our non-negotiables, our boundaries, it made our relationship so much stronger. And I would just say to everybody, like, if you really care about a person, if you really want and believe that person is for you, the best thing that you can do is communicate everything to them. You, like, I mean, there are some things like, hey, let's not talk about that. Let's not talk about your past. Let's not talk about you know, this thing that happened to you because that makes me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But that needs to be communicated. You can't just assume things. Once you start assuming things about somebody or assuming what they want to talk about and what they don't want to talk about, that's where things get either toxic, which, you know, everybody has their fair share of toxic relationships mm-hmm. or toxic people in their lives. And, or it just gets to a point where you don't feel comfortable around them. And I think that's not what a relationship should be, period, yeah. the end. Um, so communication, 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 location, mm. you know? <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I think that, 
you know, in the end, he has taught me how to, I'm a very closed off person. So he's taught me really how to open up and talk about my feelings a little bit more, even though it does make me uncomfortable and I still have to kind of dig deep to do it. <laughs> um, I, I can do it with him. Mm. So, um, so in that, in that, in that way where I think we're, the best power couple that's ever existed. <laughs> you guys, I mean, you do seem like a power couple, but I can just see, like, and it sucks because I'm not near you anymore, so I don't get to, like, mm-hmm. experience him or, like, see how you are, like, in love. But I can tell mm-hmm. just, like, from the photos or, like, the way that you, like, text about him and just, like, talk about him. Like, I can tell that there's, like, it's not just surface level. Like, it's it's deep, and I'm really happy that you're, yeah. like, happy and found someone who like balances you out yeah yeah it took a long time but you know he's he's amazing he's amazing Mm. in every way well we're gonna take a break i'm gonna roll the music and then when we come back we're gonna talk about your work experiences happening now and then get a little bit deep again okay sounds good Okay, we are back. John, I have Hello. some questions to ask. I'm not sure if you can answer them. You might have to mm-hmm. give me a little yay or nay. Cannot confirm or deny action. Uh, yay or nay. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> yay. Um, if you didn't catch on at the beginning of this call, John worked for Yeezy. We cannot say his name. We can say Yay. We can say Yeezy. We can say the man Yeezus. But John had a very interesting experience. I feel like a once in a lifetime experience that no one else can say that they have had. And so I'd love to get your take, get the inside scoop on all things Yeezy, your experience working there. So tell me, what did you do? Yeah, so I was hired by Yeezy to be an architectural designer. Uh, I kind of worked to do some projects around, uh, you know, some conceptual things, mostly, actually. Um, So things that aren't necessarily that you guys will probably never see. That no one will probably ever see. Uh, and, you know, that's just a lot of imagination in uh, Gay's head. And uh, I've also kind of worked on doing some renovations for one of his properties. So, uh, yeah, so it was definitely an interesting experience. I met some amazing people, um, as you, I mean, as you could imagine. He surrounds himself with some of the most amazing designers ever, you know, like yeah. I met people and went to places I thought I would never, ever go. And, you know, I worked there for a very short amount of time, mm. very, very short amount of time, uh, about four months. And, you know, that was enough for me. <laughs> I had kind of a, a little bit of a life situation happen. I got in a, in a car accident and 
I was not uh, given paychecks on time. And there were some other, you know, some other kind of logistic things that were a little strange uh, that were a little bit out of my control. I kind of felt hopeless. So uh, I kind of ran my finances into the ground working for him, which is kind of crazy uh, working for a billionaire. Uh, working for a billionaire who doesn't pay you on time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, is that I am not the only person. Yeah. Uh, definitely not. Uh, I think that a lot of people just accepted to not get paid period, which I find absolutely fucking ridiculous. Uh, and, you know, in the end, uh, it's really, I, I think with any job that you take, there's a certain amount. I think abuse is kind of a, a strong word, but there's a certain amount of abuse that you can take. And there's a certain amount of abuse that you cannot take. And there's a certain amount of abuse that is non-negotiable to me. And, you know, there were things said to me that were absolutely irrational, absolutely crazy. And, you know, like just that happens at every job. Okay. Like I had, at Kingdom, I had a boss that said absolutely crazy things to me. I, you know, at Yeezy, I had a boss that said absolutely even yeah. more insane things I know, to me. I know, I cannot imagine having Ye as literally your boss speaking to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's, you know, I worked very closely with the head of the company. Just say that. Uh, and he is, you know, what you probably think he's like. You know, it's... I I think that there's would be no shock to the, some of the stories that I wish I could tell you. <laughs> and, uh, and, and in the end, to me, it's just funny. You yeah. know, it's just, wow. Like, I cannot believe that that happened to me. Like, there are some things I want to get tattooed on my body yeah. that he said to me <laughs> because it's so fucking funny. Yeah. And... In the t- it, I mean, at the time, it was, you know, I was like fucking bug-eyed, staring at him like <laughs> like he was crazy. But you know, in the in the end, you know, you just had to laugh about it, and because yeah. everybody everybody was treated in the same way. That's one thing that I really respected uh, about him is he did not see anybody above anybody else. Mm. Everybody, it was very equal mm. um, to the point where it's like a little dysfunctional. Okay, like it's, you know, there's you don't know who to report to and like who's in charge of what and this, this and that. And, you know, but I mean, great things come come out of that uh, out of easy. And, you know, it's I think up to the person that works there to kind of understand and create the boundaries for themselves. My boundary was not getting paid on time. Okay, I am not a person Listen, I'm a middle-class, gay, white guy, okay, (laughs) from North Carolina. I moved to Los Angeles like every other guy like me moves to Los Angeles, like, chasing some kind of something, okay, some kind of dream of theirs, whatever that is, and trying to get away and have a more diverse experience. And that does not come with money. I will tell you that right now. I, my parents 
of course, have supported me as much as they possibly could. Mm. And they told me, we're not supporting you anymore. We're not going to be doing this. You know, when I went to grad school, my parents were like, no, you know, like this is something that you're doing yourself and you're going to face the problems, the consequences. You're going to figure out how to pay for it. You're going to figure out this. You're going to figure out that. And it taught me so much. It taught me so much. I very much respect them for that. And I was, of course, spoiled as a kid. I mean, you know, and I, I'm not going to lie about that. Of course I was. And, mm. you know, now I'm not. And it was a very, very difficult place for me to be in to not be paid on time. Yeah. I did not, I did not make a lot of money working at the architecture firm. Architects do not make a lot of money. I think a lot of people think that architects are kind of, I think architects carry themselves like they make a lot of money. Yes. But they absolutely do not. Yeah. They have, they have great tastes, but are totally screwed in terms of the pay. Yeah. And that's universal. That's universal. That's across the entire world. Yeah. And, well, I mean, that's what happened to me. Like, that's why I left the mm-hmm. last job, too. Like, it wasn't. And I know you had that experience for a short amount of time, but mine lasted the entire time that I was there, where like mm-hmm. over 16 paychecks were like late. And yeah. that's just not acceptable. And I had to realize, like, this is a great job and getting great experience, but I'm young. And I do not have the funds, like, to pay my rent if I'm not getting my paycheck. Like, this is just, like, this is the law, you know? Like, the least they can do is, like, pay us for the work that we're doing. And, like, you know, we were, like, both at Yeezy and at the previous job that we both had, we're working above and beyond to get things done, you know, for those people. And so it's, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think at the end of the day... A lot of times the younger people can get taken advantage of just because it's like, well, you want the experience. Like, you want to work for me, you know? And so, yeah. like, your your pay is your experience. And it's like, well, that's not how the world works. Like, if only mm-hmm. my experience, you know, could pay for, like, the roof over my head. But that's not the case. Right. And, you know, I at, at some point, the Yeezy job became a little bit less about, you know, I worked... I worked 12 to 15 hour days, six days a week. Mm. So I worked Monday through Saturday and I had to be in the office at 8 a.m., which in L.A., 8 a.m. is early. Okay, guys, 8 a.m. is real early in Los Angeles. (laughs) And uh, and yeah, so it, you know, the thing is, it was worth my time. It was worth my time. It was worth everything that I put into it, but it got to a point where I just couldn't take it anymore. My coworkers were kind of falling off, you know, like, you know, they, they had their own set of drama and personal issues with, with, with the position. And, um, you know, I just was like, I'm not going to be taken advantage of like this. And I think that it's really not going to get me anywhere in the end. So I, I quit. And the thing is that I didn't really need to quit. <laughs> That's the funny part. I just stopped going, <laughs> you know, like yeah. I, I didn't have to, who was I going to report to? You know, it was the man, the myth, you know, the legend himself. <laughs> yeah. Like it's not, it's like so dysfunctional. It's like the only way they know that you're there is if you're there. And if you stop going, then, you know, you just are not working there anymore. So that's exactly what I did. Um, I got paid three months later, one day before I could sue them. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was no mistake. I can guarantee that. And, 
you know, I'm just thankful that I did get the money and it was really a help when I did get the money. So, um, and it was a lot of money. So I am thankful that I got it, but I hated the circumstances because mm. what I really wanted to do is just, you know, be a badass designer working for Yeezy and, yeah. you know, and I really wanted that. And I was, and it wasn't, and it wasn't just the pay. There were, I felt like also I was being gate kept um, by my coworkers because they were a lot closer with the big man than I was because I was new. And I felt like I was being gate kept a little bit because I felt, I feel like, I don't know if they were threatened by me, but I think that their past experiences have kind of dealt with the typical Los Angeles social climber. Yeah. Um, so people that try to get ahead by manipulating and, you know, and I'm just not like that. I really like my work to speak for itself. And I think that it always has. And I think yeah. it's gotten me places and makes people really respect me yeah. uh, because I do not play games and nor do I have time to play games, nor do I want to play the games. <laughs> and uh, I think, you know, I, in the end, like I can't blame them, but I think that they shouldn't have done that to me because in the end, I'm a team player. All I wanted, all I wanted us to do is for all of us to be badass architectural designers for Yeezy together. Mm-hmm. And I think that the way they were handling the situation between us um, was not the right way to do it. And uh, yeah, and I mean, you know, we didn't really have a falling out. I still respect them to this day, but I think that we're very different people. I think we're very different. I think they have, I think they have this desire to be famous. I do not give a fuck about being famous. Mm -hmm. I would rather be rich than famous. You know what I mean? I, I don't want the attention. I'd rather just be content. Uh, And I think that having your life constantly, constantly in the, in the limelight or constantly being criticized is how is depression fuel. It's really depression fuel. I think that a lot of these people that get so obsessed with their image and so obsessed with fame and so obsessed with, you know, like, I I don't know, trying to impress everybody is it's a sad, sad way to live. And I have just fully, I mean, for some people it might bring them happiness and that's okay. That's okay. I get that we're different. And for me, that is just torture. That is just absolute torture. Just the thought of me making a mistake one day and the next day being ruined by it for just because I said something stupid and I regret it. It's just, that's just sad. And, you know, we all do things we regret and, you know, I wouldn't say regret. I think, I think things that we learn from Mm. and, I think that as soon as you become famous, it's really difficult for that back and forth to happen for that, mm-hmm. for that. I, I said this, I learned from it and now I can process it. Mm-hmm. It just becomes, I said this, I'm ruined for it. And now I'm depressed and canceled. You know, it's, you know, I, I think cancel culture is not a thing. I'm going to be honest with you. I think holding people accountable is good. I think that people should be held accountable for their actions, but I think people should loosen up a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think like 
you know, we all say stupid things. We all do dumb things. We all make decisions that we, oh, maybe that wasn't such a great idea. And I think that just as long as we as people remember that we're people and stop holding these people on these on these crazy pedestals, that that's when we start to connect with people a lot more. Yeah. And I think that, you know, gay and I, I think that he came across a lot of people that were very manipulative and wanted to use him as, you know, I, I, I mean, as you can imagine, who wouldn't yeah. like, you know, that happens with every famous person, you know, you see people get close to him and then they go away and then this and that. And, you know, you might not hear about these people, but they're there, yeah. they're there. It happens. And I would encourage people that if you ever work for somebody who's as influential or, famous or someone that you idolize i think you should just bring them down to your level i think it's you treat them exactly how you would treat anybody else and they're human they make mistakes they make you know amazing things and you can learn from that and you should learn from that but also they shouldn't be treating you like you're not human yeah and i think in the end that's what was going on with me I was not being treated like I was human. I was being treated like a workhorse. I'd be treating like somebody who is disposable and I didn't want to be able to that. So I moved on. I moved on. Good. So then you moved on to a short, short job for a second. Right. And then over to future. Okay. I, you know, I kind of see it as an extension of that job that I started Mm. because (laughs) tea, a little bit of tea. Um, I worked at this company um, called Optimist. Great company. I loved working for Optimist. They make great stuff. I worked for an amazing person. Um, his name is Michael. He was amazing. And, uh, you know, I got contacted by one of his really good friends um, who owns his own company, who is, it's like a similar kind of company agency. And, he kind of was offering me a little bit more and was kind of saying like, you get to work on these projects, which were better than the projects I was working on at this company. And, you know, that happened very early on. I I think that people at that company didn't actually know how early on he contacted me. It was probably within three weeks of me working there. And I didn't end up quitting until three months of working there. So it was, you know, a good amount of time. And there were some non-negotiables for me when I was taking that position. I told them, I was like, hey, like, I'm not working on contract. I've had bad experiences working on contract before. And I want, I need, I don't, I want, I need benefits. I need benefits. And these were kind of my non-negotiables. And, you know, they were like, oh, yeah, we're working on all that stuff. How about we talk when we have that? And they were very respectful. And they did. They got back to me when they had all that stuff. And I ended up quitting that job and moving on to this company. Um, and in the end, their their company was a lot more in the realm of things that I enjoy doing. Um, so I kind of shifted from an architect. I mean, this is kind of crazy. Like I went from doing modular housing to designing the Puma. Like I designed part of the Puma fashion show that was a New York Fashion Week like last week. Yes, so, kill it. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, I know it's just kind of, it's just kind of a crazy turn of events. So I am actually... Yeah, so I ended up doing some of the visuals and designing some of the stuff for the Puma Fashion Show. Of course, it was a team of people that worked on this, but um, 
I, you know, work specifically on the visuals and I kind of work with this program called Unreal Engine. It's actually a game engine software, but it's a real-time rendering and we use it to kind of, it's called pixel streaming. Basically, you stream a 3D environment to a browser and people can play it and stuff like that. Uh, you know, you're kind of getting into like the metaverse realm of things. And I think okay. it's funny because I work for inherently kind of a metaverse company. And I think it's a very mysterious people. Ha- I think regular people don't know what it is. And it's funny because and literally in I my said, notes, I have John explain what you do in normal people terms. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's funny. Cause I think, you know, I am still into, okay. For those of you who don't know the metaverse is a very abstract concept. Okay. It's, mm-hmm. it's basically, I think a lot of people interpret it as a second life online. I would not really interpret it in that way. I would say that it opens up new opportunities for, for digital and spatial experiences. So before you kind of interact with websites in a very two dimensional way. And I think the metaverse kind of opens up uh, an experience where we interact with the the internet in a three-dimensional way. Mm. And I think it's very valuable, um, especially when it comes to, uh, I mean, we work a lot with retail. Retail, I think, is a very valuable thing because you can kind of spatialize your brand rather than kind of, rather than having a visual identity, your brand has a spatial identity, which I think is kind of a new concept. I think when we think about retail stores in terms of their experience as a shopping thing, it's very Mm -hmm. calculated. Like for example, like when you go into a target, you know, they have that $5 section as soon as you walk in, you can blame, you can blame Victor Gruen for that. That's a whole like architectural history of malls actually. No way. Yeah. And it's actually very calculated how retail stores are set up. They put, you know, the most, the, the things people will buy and fall for at the front. And, you know, like if you go to Sephora and you see like that lot, like when you're walking mm. through, you see all the little, the little overpriced sample size things. Yes. Yeah. That, that is exactly what I'm talking about. Okay. So the metaverse gives retail stores the same opportunity to do that online. I think mm. in a lot of ways, um, but spatially rather than graphically. Yeah. Um, and I'm kind of going on a tangent here, but I, you know, the metaverse, I think, you know, I think people should just, I, I think you should be critical of it. I think you should be very critical of it. I, and I think that all kind of opinions are valid. Um, but I think also it opens up really interesting opportunities as it starts to develop. It's in its very infant stages. You know, there's a time where social media was in the same Face. You know, people mm-hmm. didn't understand what Facebook was, what MySpace was, what Instagram was. These were all kind of early adopters that had to interpret it and see its power. And I think that we're kind of in that early adopters phase. And uh, I think that, you know, be critical of it and kind of, I, I think it's every up to everybody to kind of, you know, engage with it as you will. But um, if you're looking to like see what 
kind of a metaverse experience is if you go to blackstation.puma.com, a little bit of a plug here, <laughs> but if you go to blackstation.puma.com, there's actually this whole experience my company designed basically to kind of reveal and understand Puma as a brand spatially and how they're kind of transitioning from this, you know, e-commerce brand into this spatial um, realm and NFT and things like that. I'm not going to get into the NFT debate. That's just not something for this mm-hmm. podcast. It's, it's a whole separate thing. But um, I think people kind of understand and engage with space a lot differently than they did 10 years ago. I think mm-hmm. people understand three-dimensional space a lot easier now. You know, gaming used to be a super nerdy thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and now it's kind of common knowledge, you know. Yeah. Everybody and their mothers on Fortnite and, you know, every other grande has a concert on Fortnite. Like, that's exactly what I'm talking about. It's yeah. kind of like this decentralization of aesthetics, of platform, and kind of bringing experiences to niche markets yeah so i think that's like the kind of really powerful thing about it yeah you know it's super interesting and you say that it's funny because my mom she works in pr and Mm -hmm. she like kind of was like navigating maybe like five or ten years ago like which direction of pr she wanted to go because she's worked in beauty and entertainment and science and she really got into like stem education and then there have mm. been these interesting projects in the last, like, five or so years um, with, like, a focus on, like, using esports for education. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm like, I feel like I should connect her with you because I feel like your company could be, like, a good mentor to some of the, like, students or something, like, mm-hmm. some type of program. But she's doing a lot of work of, like, basically, like, what you were saying, this, like, online world and, like, the different, like, opportunities that, like students are able to have and the ways that they're able to learn maybe they're like not super comfortable or like a lot of times like the gamers are like the outcast kids in society and this gives them a place to like be themselves and like explore their creativity in a different way where they're still learning and she used to be totally like she was raised like only listening to classical music like no movies no tv like she didn't like she had a very weird upbringing in that sense and so like the concept of like when we were kids like video games was just not it like she was like no well you know like we played maybe mario kart now and then but now she's like i like because i've been like afforded the opportunity to meet with like the department of education you know like of America, yeah. you know, she's meeting with like different like states people and like larger politicians and educators and then like gamers and like seeing like okay, how can we use the technology and like the like activities and experiences that people love like to educate them. And anyways, it's just mm-hmm. been like super interesting to watch like her process that and kind of come around from like what you were saying like this normal person to like starting to understand like the value of like you know, these like online or like virtual worlds. It's like super crazy. Yeah. I think we're, I think the difference is that we're moving into a world of being told how to do things Mm. to just doing them. Yeah. Just do it. You know? And I think that's the one thing that's really powerful about, you know, the metaverse, you know, it's the, you're kind of injecting yourself into the environment to just do it. You're just going to do it. And, you're not gonna 
You're not going to be, you know, lectured or told, or you should do it like this. No, you're going to actually just do it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's where like virtual reality and things come in and like all the technology and, you know, it, it happens in the medical field a lot. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, architecture could really benefit from it in terms of fabrication, you know, like imagine, totally. you know, at kingdom, for example, like, Imagine if they put on, you know, a mixed reality headset that tells them exactly where to cut the holes so they don't right. have to measure. It just shows them exactly where it is. Yeah. So they take the cutting thing and they just cut it out because that's exactly how the model that me and you were floating around yeah. in the in the studio was built. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think it I think it becomes really powerful in terms of, you know, productivity and kind mm-hmm. of things like that. And I mean, of course, it takes so much time and training. And, yeah integration and you know and i think that's why it's so confusing to people right now because it's just not something that's every day it's it's just not and and i think it will take a long time for it to get like that and i think some people may argue that it's you know making their life more complicated i mean Mm. look at an iphone everybody talked about how their iphone made their lives more complicated and now they can't live without it you know it's just another it's just another one of those things yeah 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 also this is a side note because i have to tell you I, because we, we've been talking about, like, rendering and stuff, I am, like, fluent in SketchUp and CAD now. You would be so nice. proud. I've been working so hard, like, and for the nice. listeners, it's, like, a 3D rendering software and then, like, a 2D rendering software that we use, like, in the architecture and design field, like, to, you know, like, take measurements and, like, basically plan out what your space is going to look like. And um, one of our architects has been bringing in a VR headset and we've been testing that out like you know for our next Mm -hmm. couple of client meetings which has been like super cool and exciting because it's like you're seeing the space come to life so anyways just like I'm I'm excited I'm proud of myself I feel like I've been like working really hard to, to try to progress like my working knowledge because my like design knowledge has like you know, like, I'm there. I feel like I know a lot. I think I, like, follow a lot of designers and understand, like, a lot of concepts, but I didn't have necessarily, like, like, the physical, like, this is how you model an object or something. Like, I had a very baseline knowledge, and it's not like I'm an ex- an expert, but I've definitely, like, made a ton yeah. of progress, which is, like, so exciting. Yeah, and those skills are hard to learn. I mean, it just takes a lot of practice, and yeah. yeah, the amount of pro- the amount of programs I I use on a daily basis is just absolutely insane. Yeah. But it's you know it's you know the tools the tools are there for us to use and abuse. So yeah, um, it's it's great that you're learning them, and mm-hmm. you know, SketchUp's a great tool, especially for interior design. Yeah, so, it's great. It's awesome. Yeah. It's getting hot in my apartment. I think it's because I'm drinking wine, but Jesus. Do you have AC? Yeah, I do. I just don't have it on right now because it's kind of loud and I don't want it to like fuck with the microphone. I appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. I have my fan on. It's like blowing right at me, but it's not helping. (laughs) (laughs) I like go through weird heat heat waves here. We have AC. I live in like a really old house and a lot of houses in Portland don't have AC because they're all old. But mine mm. is lucky. But my roommates blast the AC. 
and I get so cold, and so I'm like wrapped under my blankets right now. Oh, oh I love that though. No, I have like one little, of those little cozy blanket moment. I have one of those barefoot dreams blankets. Oh, yeah, love her. that's not nice. <laughs> okay, so we're gonna wrap up by doing. It's funny because I say like rapid fire, but these are definitely like <laughs> questions I feel like you're gonna have like longer responses to, but like. We'll okay, I'll like, try to make it quick. A medium fire. You know, it doesn't have to be okay. short. It doesn't have to be, like, a three to five minute explanation for each question. It could be, like, a one minute explanation for each question. Okay, roasting. <laughs> okay, they're, like, deep questions, though. And some of them you actually honestly already alluded to a little bit, like, when we were talking before. Um, but my first one is, like, what are the pressures you feel like you face in the high design world of L.A. specifically? Okay, so I think some of the pressures that anybody would face and kind of the, I'm going to say high design in quotes, you know, like high design is up to the interpreter. Yeah. But um, I would say one is the amount of work expected in a short amount of time. <laughs> uh, everything is an emergency. Uh, and in the end, you can only get so much done. And two is your image. If you're hot it helps a lot. And it's sad. It's really sad. Uh, I know people that are just hot, and they can get whatever they want. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, a blessing. Like, I mean, girl, use it, use it as much as you want. But I wouldn't consider myself hot. I mean, I'm not bad looking. You're okay? spicy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, I'm not to the point where I'm so hot that I can get whatever I want. Yeah. And I think that some people are like that. And I think that's something tough to deal with, you know, and, you know, it's just one of those things. So I would say that's, that's just like one of those things that makes me a little bit bitter. I would say they can be bad and hot and get whatever they want. But, mm. you know, I have to, I, I would say that people, other people have to work a little bit harder for those things. So. Yeah. That's a, a little bit of the frustrations of that industry, I would say. I mean, I feel like that's low-key every industry and every aspect of life. Like, the joke of, like, yeah. pretty privilege. Yeah. So. Yeah, I would say, especially in the fashion industry, though, it's... Yeah, it's there. <laughs> it's, it's definitely there. And, yeah. you know, do with it what you will, but I'm not... I'm not at that level, but... Yeah. You know, I don't have the BBLs and the and the lip injections to, <laughs> to go along with it. I would argue Especially. that that makes you less hot because then you're like, you have to like make up for what you don't have or you're already beautiful and then you just make yourself look like a balloon. Yeah, but I guess balloons are hot to people, not to me. <laughs> no, but, no, same. <laughs> yeah. <you know. laughs> okay, second question. This was the one that I feel like you kind of alluded to earlier, but I'm just curious curious like the experiences you've had as like a gay white man just generally but then also like in the field that you're working in how has that affected your work and life experience or like I guess generally just like how have people treated you yeah I would say first of all in Los Angeles California I am not of the minority Mm. I'm just gonna say that um a gay white male in Los Angeles is a dime a dozen here. And, you know, I would not, if I go back to North Carolina, yes, I would maybe be a minority, but also remember I am white and I also don't get discriminated against because of my color. I think when you're gay and have color, that's, 
even worse. Um, and I've, you know, there's, there have been some crazy things I've seen that people have done. I'm I'm not going to get into that, but, um, I, I would say in my industry in architecture, very overall accepting, I would say, um, depending on where you work, uh, in architecture at a bigger corporate firm, kind of older white males in charge, typically that's where things might become a little bit of a problem. But I would say now after working in the fashion and like music industries a lot, Mm. um, I am like everybody else. I think that I am treated equally. One thing I would say at the company that I work at now, I actually am the only homosexual male at my company. And I would say that um, being gay brings a lot of value in terms of design, I would say, because you can, you kind of have references and experiences that other people don't have. And there is a huge market for that (laughs) nowadays. And as sad as it is, as sad as it is, I hate to say it, but, you know, gay culture really has been commodified in the past five years, even, um, you know, pride is a typical example. Like why the fuck is Smirnoff sponsoring pride? They have nothing to do with gay people. You I know what just, I mean? Side note. Cause I love, I remember when you were like, you're not like, I hate pride month, but you're low-key like, I hate pride month because of the way that it's just like sold in all these stores. And yeah. I was talking to my mom about that, and she's like, now whenever I see stuff, I always think of your friend John saying that. And I'm like, oh. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, the thing is, is, like, we should always celebrate our sexuality and who we are um, all year round. Yeah. Okay? I get, I think that, that place, it's good that we have Pride Month. I Don't get me wrong, but I think it's kind of turned into something else. I think it's turned into, you know, brands kind of, using using the demographic to profit and i think that's not necessarily uh genuine and you know mm-hmm. you know I, I just said like oh there's a great market for gay culture and stuff like that but yeah. that's not necessarily what i mean i i mean that i maybe should be used to target that market you know like maybe yeah. i can make you know why don't we do this immersive spatially spatial sound drag show you know yeah. like why are we not bringing that metaverse technology into gay culture yeah. and you know like what does it bring you know i think i think we can kind of think about it like that rather than you know oh i'm gonna charge a ticket you know like just because it's gay it's 50 dollars more you know right. it's um you know i think that's kind of a different outlook and i think that's what a lot of companies do nowadays and mm-hmm. um you know I'm proud of who I am. I always am, but I am not one to run around in a rainbow jock strap, (laughs) you know, show everybody, you know, it's just not, it's just not my thing. And I, I respect people that can do that because they have a lot of fucking confidence that I don't have, (laughs) but, um, it's just not for me. Yeah. But I think, I think that as a professional, I think that I've always been treated correctly and mm-hmm. and and I'm very privileged for that because that does not always happen and you know in my hometown for a long time it was actually legal to discriminate against people due to their sexuality and not hire them because of it it was yeah. legal to do that um so I don't think it is anymore but I could be wrong um so it, it it's just interesting and especially yeah we live in a crazy world that constantly changes and not even going to get into the whole like women's rights things under attack right now, but um, 
people are crazy. People are crazy. Just mind your own fucking business is what I have to say. Yeah. Yeah. I think like my outlook on, on things is like, I mean, especially Portland, it's like, 99% of people here I feel like are like in the LGBTQIA community and mm-hmm. it's like coming from you know I'm from like a small conservative town in California and then mm-hmm. I lived in the Bay and had more exposure and then lived in LA and had a ton of exposure and then moved up here but I'm like up here it's like just very normal like everyone is just living their lives like super respectful and like the way that I look at it is like everyone just wants to be loved and like treated equal and like exactly respected like people who are like fighting for gay rights aren't out there like trying to shove like like gay sex down children's throats it's like no like let's just be kind to people and realize that like everyone is different and like that we need to accept those differences and like you know like and Again, yeah, and I, I think there, yeah, I think there are some people that kind of ruin it for yeah. everybody else. It's like, you know, you can you can advocate for being homosexual and proud of it without having to be so, you know, so provocative and so honestly perverted sometimes. And mm. um, and the thing is, is like, I'm all like sex, sex, sex. Yes, like I love having sex. Do not get me wrong. I'm not, but I mean, who doesn't, but it's not, you know, it's not, it shouldn't be used to promote things and sex sells. It always does. Don't get me wrong. It always sells. But, you know, like you said, like, I think it's, it's, it's not about shoving down people's throats. It's just, it's just about being positive about it. It's a, it's about celebrating it and, and not discriminating and, that's yeah. that's really where where it's you know can fall you know either way so and and other people might have different opinions for me and you know like i am relatively reserved in terms of my i mean everybody knows i'm gay like i act very gay whatever that means gay is not a personality but you know you can tell i'm gay and <laughs> and you know it's just you know i think everybody would just be better if they just you know had the right, had their rights, you know, you should have rights to protect you against being discriminated against mm-hmm. always. But don't, you know, like, be yourself, just be yourself. And always just remember that people are different than you. And guess what, that makes this world better. Mm-hmm. And um, just stop being little pricks about it. <laughs> you, know? Yeah. you know, like, you know, my I have people that I grew up with that don't necessarily agree with me being gay, but they don't love me less because of it. You know, they just wouldn't, they just don't agree with it. And that's fine. I'm not asking you to agree with it. I'm just asking you to accept me as a human being. And they do that. Yeah. So I respect people like that. And, you know, you don't have to, you know, like my jock strap and everything, you know, that's just who I am and I'm just going to do it. And I expect you to, you know, treat me like a human being. Yeah. And I think it's, it's interesting. You, you say that like you respect it where people might not agree with it, but you know that they don't love you any less. And I think that maybe a lot of people, and I'm just thinking about like my hometown too. And like Mm -hmm. just people who have this like specific thought, like 
you know, gay people might think that I hate them because I don't agree with them, but that's not the case. I just don't necessarily understand. Or maybe they just haven't had the exposure to like be, or like be realizing that. And I'm like, no, I think once you realize, like you just need to spend time with people to realize like everyone just wants, like you said, a normal, equal human experience, like to be who they are and to be respected. And I think like there are people who are going to be kind always and there are people who are going to have bad days and there are going to be people who just like choose to live life negatively and i think that's everywhere all over the political spectrum all over the sexual spectrum all over the the faith spectrum like someone's always going to have an opinion but i think like just the best way to approach life is like how would i want to be treated if i was in this person's situation and then like how can i treat other people to show them that that i love them or like that I have respect for who they are. And, like, I am not going to, like, treat them as any of a lesser human being just because, you know, they identify differently than I do. Yeah. And, I mean, hot take, but you're not going to ever change those people. You're not going to change a homophobic's mind. I just don't know why people get so obsessed with trying to change people's minds. Just ignore those people. Yeah. You know, like, those. the problem is, is that those people shouldn't be in charge of making the rights for you. That's where it becomes a problem. You know, like, that's where people are like, oh, that politician is homophobic, that person's homophobic. But the thing is, why the fuck do you care about Joe Schmo down the street that's homophobic? You know, like, I don't give a fuck. You can be a homophobe. Just don't make it, just don't make my life difficult, okay? Don't, you don't have to scream at me on the street, tell me I'm a homo, don't tell me something else I know, okay, get a little <laughs> bit more creative, okay, you know, tell me my outfit's ugly, then yeah. I'll be pissed, you know, <laughs> it's like, you know, it's just like, I'm not gonna change his mind, and I'm not gonna waste my energy in trying to change his mind, and that's just my outlook on it, but yeah. my god, like, these, some people just really do obsess with trying to change those people's minds, and yeah. I just think it's not worth my time, Yeah. so, you know, that's a little bit of a, you know, just me, you know, yeah. as a personality, but you know, it's just super interesting. The, the world is full of crazy people and full of boring people and full of closed minded people. And, you know, we just have to sometimes accept that. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great way to put it. Honestly, I got to remember that because I'm yeah. the type of person. I'm just like, you know, me, I'm so nice. And Anthony always gets on my case about this too, because I have like a nasty neighbor And apparently she's nasty to, like, literally everyone in our neighborhood. Like, everyone has had something negative to say about her. Which, like, made me sad and made me be like, why is she this way? And, like, I just keep trying to be nice to her. And every time I, like, say anything, she just gives me the, like, shut the fuck up look. And I'm, and just is, like, rude. And I'm just, like, I just don't understand. And I'm the type of person who will, like, be nice forever. Like, you could do me so wrong and, like... I would still, like, have good things to say, like, about you, like, and that's (laughs) something I feel like is kind of, like, a a toxic trait in a way, is, like, that I just don't know, like, when to stop fighting those battles, like, I'm almost kind of the person that you were saying, like, stop trying to make this person change, like, and I'm not necessarily trying to make someone change. Yeah, I don't think you're making them change, you're just being nice. Yeah. You know? But I think, like, I I just think I expect people to have the same outlook, like, I just sometimes expect people, like, why wouldn't you think of the other person in this situation? And like, obviously I'm selfish too. And like, I'm learning how to get over that. But like, I think I always just try to be like kind and genuine and like 
just assume people are going to be the same way. And that's just not always the case. So. No, it's not. Yeah. It's really not. Okay. Well, we beat that topic to death. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, question number three. What do people misunderstand about you the most? Yeah. I think people think I'm arrogant. Mm. Um, and that's something that I've kind of dealt with for a long, long time. And the thing is, is that I may come across that way, but I'm, but I'm not, I'm really not. I do not think I'm the, sh the shit, like get out of here with that. I overall, I'm a very competent person, mm. but however, I had a tendency to kind of be bitchy for <laughs> lack of a better term. I am a little bit cold. I'm a little bit cold. I don't like to show my feelings. And I think that comes off to people as being arrogant, but really I'm just trying to protect myself. Um, and I think that sometimes it's wrong. I think it's kind of a toxic trait of mine mm. to kind of bottle things up and, you know, not allow myself to show feeling. I, I don't know if it was the way that I was raised. Mm. I, I can't really tell you why I'm like that. I think that I just feel the need to be that strong kind of person. And yeah. I think that on the inside, I'm really mush. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think with the combination of, you know, me being confident in what I'm good at and me being a little bit cold and bitchy sometimes makes people think that I'm arrogant. And it's something that, um, I really wish people wouldn't say it, it makes me upset. It really does make me upset when people, when I hear that someone, I mean, I've heard secondhand from other people that think that I'm arrogant and, you know, like. No, they can think what they want to think, but I think once you get to know me that really it's, it's not a facade. It's just that I'm really trying to kind of protect my feelings and, um, make sure that I don't get too attached <laughs> to things. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think from, I think it would be interesting for somebody to hear like someone like Zemo, like my boyfriend or like my mom to talk about that. But I, I think I'm not very introspective on that topic because I just don't know why I'm like that. Mm. <laughs> but I think that it's something that I should work on, but don't know how to. Mm. But, but yeah, I think that's something that has consistently happened in my life. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I think it's just a matter of like, because I could see how you could be read that way. And I think it's just like, when you meet you, you're a bold personality, you're confident. But I can also tell that it's not all just like, it's not a front, like it's like innately part of who you are. And mm -hmm. then also like, I think like, I'm like confident and bold in a different way. Like I'm like more gentle than you are. Yeah, I feel yeah, like we kind yeah. of do carry the same energy you know, where, like, people are, like, intimidated by us or, like, misread us because we are the go-getters in a room. Like, we're the ones that I feel like intimidate, like, most people, like, off the mm -hmm. bat. 
because they think they know us right away when the truth is like once you start like sitting down and like talking to someone like you it's like okay yeah there's like a lot of emotion here and I think like there's a lot I think there's like that like hardened maybe potential like facade that people like assume just because it takes you a while to open up like maybe it takes you a while to like trust people you know and like Really yeah, I don't trust them. anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't. Yeah, and it t- it's hard to give someone your heart. And I think it's like, and like to, even like in like the workplace too, it's like you are spending like a very like integral piece of your life like with these people. And so like, I think it's just like one of those things that just, it takes time and it takes like learning how other people communicate and like learning what people's intentions are. And I think you and I did the opposite. I tend to assume the best and maybe you tend to assume the worst of people. Like Yes, you're exactly sure. correct. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and it's because Anthony is just like that, but he's introverted. And mm-hmm. like, you know, that comes from other places too. Like the reasons why he is that way. And he and I have conversations about this all the time too, where he's like, it's not necessarily like I think someone is a like a bad person or I don't trust them like right off the gate. Like it just takes me a while to like, get there with them you know and like and like be me like I'm just not gonna give away like all of me to you in an instant you know versus like I'm like I'm an open book let's talk tell me about like (laughs) your childhood trauma like let's get to the root of this and like go away crying together versus like you would do that maybe like five years down the line with someone yeah exactly that's right yeah and you know, I, it's something I'm constantly working on. I'm aware of it. I'm aware of it. And, you know, I, it's, I think it's good at this point in my life that I can acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I'm still young, have a lot of things to work on, but, you know, I think as I interact with people in the future, I just have to be a little bit more aware of how I could come across to them and mm-hmm. to kind of reassure and start to maybe not assume the worst in people, but maybe to, assume that not necessarily that they're a good person but maybe to assume that they're just like me you know they yeah. maybe they assume the worst in me and maybe that's why you know yeah. but you know we're all different and you know it's gotten me in trouble sometimes for sure um and you know uh things i've learned from so mm. yeah well i would say my personal experience like first impression like Obviously, I knew you were, like, a confident king and, like, you were going to slay anything or you were going to make people believe that you were going to slay anything, you know? Like, it was, like, <laughs> yeah. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And so it's, like, there was that. But, like, I never felt like you didn't like me or you looked at me, like, a certain way or, like, you felt higher than me because you you were still approachable at the same time, if that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. you were still, like, this is me, this is who I am, like, who are you? Like, let's get to know each other. And so I would say, like, I feel like you actually do have a really good balance and I don't really think you need to change that much. Like, I think it's just a matter of, like... I don't know if it's about changing, it's about being aware. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, but... I think sometimes I'm not aware of it and then I wonder why people treat me a certain way and I'm like, oh, I could have come across like that, but sometimes I don't think of it, you know? So... Yeah. Because I'm not going to change. I am. You know, there's some things that are worth changing and there's some things that aren't, you know, and I don't know if that's something that's worth changing. 
No, and I don't think it is because I think that you have, like, every single person that I've met, which is a very small circle of yours that you surround yourself with, I've been impressed with. And I've been like, these are for lifers, you know, like these people, Mm -hmm. like, you know, and that's honestly something that I'm trying to work on that I've learned from people like you or like Anthony or like my friends, like Rachel and Taylor, like, they are the same way. Like, they're like, I have my group of people and I'm happy to be kind to other people. But like, like, there is like a certain amount of people that I trust and a certain amount of people that like I open up to. And like, I'm happy to have a conversation with you, but I'm not going to be your bestie at the end of the night. And I really don't have any intentions seeing you or talking to you again after this. And I'm just trying to learn like how to be like that because I am not like that. And I'm like, I, sometimes I feel like I get myself into situations of like being friends with people or having conversations with people that like, I really enjoy because I'm such a people person, but it's like there, this isn't like fulfilling my soul, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. It's it's a filter of whether something something is there or not. Yeah, it took me a long time to be like that too. But yeah. Okay, question four. We got a rapid fire, more rapid than this. Okay. Yes. <laughs> okay. What Sorry, is, I can talk forever. No, literally same, and we haven't talked in ages. So yes, we haven't. I know. I'm so excited to see. You. I hope I get to see you when I come to LA. Yeah, I, I should be. I should be. Yes, and you have to bring your mans. <laughs> Yes, of course. Um, okay, four. What is your biggest failure and how did you learn from it? Oh, wow. That's a difficult question. Yeah. Uh, or like what was like a really big learning experience for you that was like really hard at first, but it like gave you the tools to like do better in the next situation? It could be life really. It doesn't this. I know I've been asking a lot yeah. about work, but this is more like personal stuff too. So yeah. I think one of my failures, I would say, is not being very, is it empathetic? Mm-hmm. Sympathetic? Empathetic? Empathetic. Of people's, empathetic of people's situations. Mm-hmm. It has gotten me in trouble so many times. Mm-hmm. I cannot even tell you. Um, I have a hard time seeing things from other people's point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, and... In the end, I think I need to understand that people are are different than me and that people process things different than me and that I shouldn't expect people to understand things the same way. Mm -hmm. I, I had a relationship for a while actually where, you know, I couldn't see anything from their point of view and, you know, I was just pointing fingers and kind of attacking and in the end, like I was just not being very empathetic of that person's situation or what, how I was treating them. And I think that that has been a huge failure of mine of many, many, many times, mm. um, especially in relationships. And it's something that I've been working on and I think I'm way miles, miles better than I used to be. But when I was younger, wow, like it's, it was so hard for me to see. I'm very stubborn. So it's very hard for me to see things from other people's point of view. So, I, I mean, I don't know if that's really a good answer. Like, that's a failure of mine. But I don't really see life as having failures in, in, a, in a lot of ways. And um, I can't really pinpoint an event of, that has happened to me that would be a <laughs> failure. But um, 
you know, I still have many years ahead of me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there could be, there could be a failure happening next week, you know? <laughs> so I just, I just don't, I, I can't really name anything right now that would be something that I really consider a failure. I think your answer was exactly what I was, was like trying to get at. So. Yeah. 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 But I think that's a failure of my personality to be empathetic. Mm. So. I'm working on it, I'm working on it. <laughs> okay, number five. If you could be remembered for one thing, what would it be? Oh. I hope that I am remembered for my work ethic, actually. Mm. Um, I hope that I'm remembered by how hard I work. And not necessarily the products of my work, but how hard I work and how dedicated I am to what I do because I would say that that is hot <laughs> you know, like that that is like I I consider that to be like the peak of somebody like someone who is so passionate about what they do that it doesn't matter whether it's good or bad or ugly or fantastic or groundbreaking or cutting edge or whatever it's just that they were passionate about it and they got it done and they fucking did it that's probably all that I care about is, um, you know, having a good work ethic and being passionate about what I do in life. And, you know, that could change over the years. But, you know, that's something that I think is what I would want to be remembered for. Like, John was a really fucking hard worker and he made amazing shit. Yeah. You know, that's that's all. Not money, not anything else. Yeah. Well, I can attest to that because I worked with you and I learned so much from you and you were like such a great teacher. And then like, I just know you just put so much like energy and like thought and like intention into the work that you produced. And it's Mm -hmm. like, it's visible. Like you, like you said, like, I don't feel like I need all this recognition, all this fame, all this stuff. Like I just let my work speak for itself and it does. So yeah. Yeah. All that other stuff is secondary. It should be consequential. Yeah, totally. What's an insult you've received that you're proud of? You can't do that. (laughs) That's one of my favorite things. (laughs) When someone tells me I can't do something, that makes me want to do it 10 times more. So keep telling it to me, people. Keep telling me I can't do things because I will fucking do it. If I want to. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, seven. Who are the three most influential people in your life? Um, that's a tough one for me. Um, but I would say my mom. My mom has taught me a lot. We are very similar. And, you know, she kind of brings me down to earth. Right now, I'd say one of the most influential people to me is my boyfriend. He has softened me up. He softens my edges, if you will. <laughs> I'm a cube. He's made me a sphere. Um <laughs> Maybe close to a sphere. <laughs> Maybe not quite. But um a beveled a beveled a beveled box. Um and I would probably also say Azalea Banks. Oh, your obsession, <laughs> I cannot. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna elaborate. Oh my god, you guys need to Google this bitch because <laughs> crazy. I love her except for her trump supporting things i don't like them but everything else icon fucking icon anything i've seen or heard about this gal i'm just 
confused, which I think is exactly where she wants us. So. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Okay. And she makes amazing music. <laughs> True. <laughs> okay. The only song that I feel like I know is like the song like 212 that was in like Pitch. 212. I was in the 212. The 212. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Number eight. This is low-key a big one, but I feel like maybe it relates to your job. It says, what okay. do you think the world will look like in 50 years? I think it will be worse. <laughs> um, I think, you know, I don't know. I think, you know, this could be a really long question, but I'm going to try to make it quick. Um, I think we're shifting into this era where things are becoming more true, not based on facts, but based on appearance. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can get into the whole like deep fakes thing. And, you know, like, I think that as we move into the future, we shouldn't always assume the things that we see. You, it, you can't believe what you see anymore, mm-hmm. I think. And I find that to be really problematic and i think in the future we will have you know i read this this whole i forget who wrote it but it was this whole spiel on virtual societal warfare (laughs) not to get dark but basically (laughs) how you know you can use virtual realities and virtual you know opinions and power to kind of manipulate people so much that it turns people against each other and it creates virtual societal warfare. You know, it's, I think we're already there. I think we're already there. I think we're beyond it. I feel like we're there. Um, I think we're there and I think it's just going to get worse. Um, And, you know, I would just encourage people to see things from all points of view and to really go to the source of the issue do not rely on other people's and filtered opinions to form your own opinion. You go to the source of what it is. And I think that is the key. And it's very difficult to do that. It's very, very difficult to do that nowadays, I think. But I think we're moving to a very dystopic but amazing future. I think there's going to be amazing things that happen but um, in terms of technology. But, you know... I'm a very pessimistic person, but I see, I see things going south quickly. Anyway. <laughs> Just the way, like, make it so dark at the end of the podcast. Yeah, it's going south, people. Okay, Good. well, on the opposite side, question number nine is, what is your dream project? <laughs> my dream project. Okay, my dream project is probably to just build my own company. Mm. Um, it's sort of in the works but you know it's so much work to own your own company and you need so many resources that i just don't have right now and it's just not something i see myself doing in the sh- in the short term yeah. but um hope to kind of own company and you know, hope to include the people that i think are pretty fucking badass at what they do so yeah um yeah, I think that's probably my dream project. And also to design my own house from scratch, no budget. 
Mm, that is all of our <laughs> dreams, isn't it? <laughs> yes, no budget, but you know, there's always a budget. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and the final question is what would be the title of a book about you? Hmm. Underestimated. Hmm. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Mic drop, he's out. I would say in my life I've been constantly underestimated and I've always, and even still, I still think that I'm not giving credit how I should be giving credit for some things. And um, I think that in the end I'm kind of underestimated, but also you just have to give me the opportunity. So, yeah. Um, and I don't like to step over people's toes. So I would say that that's probably the title of my book wow. Underestimated and Thriving. <laughs> well that was john warner underestimated and thriving thank you yes. for coming on the almost there podcast this was so much fun i literally could keep talking to you until i fall asleep with the microphone in my hand so yeah. <laughs> i can see it happening yeah. it's happening right now i know i'm like <laughs> slumping into my bed slowly <laughs> yeah Oh, well, thanks for doing this. This was so fun. I know that people are going to love this episode. They're going to love you. You're just like such a fun person to follow along with. So if they follow me at jwarn18. Yes, I was going to say is like anything else you want to plug any pro do you want to like name like those places like you said, like the Puma thing or like the NFT like sneaker thing or like your website? Is there any other like projects that you want people to check out? Nah, just go on my Instagram, jwarn18. I post everything on my stories. Just watch it once in a while. That's all I ask. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. That was another episode of the Almost There podcast. We'll see you soon. We're almost there. Bye.